Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today, we meet another mile marker, show number 1,750. Today we're talking Foreign Cars Italia. This is Cars Yeah! Where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah! Hello, inspiring automotive enthusiasts, and welcome to Cars Yeah! Today I'm in Clemens, North Carolina, with a very special guest by the name of Steve Sudler. Hey, Steve, welcome to Cars Yeah! Are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? I have my Ferrari five-point harness Ooh. buckled up, and I'm ready. Nice. Well, we're going to be talking about Ferraris and other very cool cars here uh, with Steve. But before I give you a proper introduction, what's one little thing that most people don't know about you? Ah, interesting enough. I was a fueler on a pit crew in the 1990 Indianapolis 500. So very few people know that about. Well, oh my gosh. Okay. A fueler. Now, very interesting because back in the day and even go way further back than the time you did it, what a... A uh, scary job, really. I mean, yeah. back when they yeah. used those fuels that would burn invisible, and you'd see people bouncing around, going, "Why is that guy dancing like that?" Uh, yeah, well, yeah. his feet are on fire. That's why. So, let me ask you this: since you brought it up, I did ask you, what's the most bizarre or interesting or cool, whatever you want to take, wherever you want to take us, thing that happened when you were doing that that role? You know, that was one of the. I think the very next year in 1991. I think is when they implemented the speed limit in the pit lane at Indianapolis. So oh, in 1990, <laughs> when I was the fueler, yes, there was no speed limit. So the cars Whoa. would come, yeah, they would come off of the, to the turn four uh, at 200 miles an hour and come bouncing down the, uh, the concrete in the pit lane. And, and the car literally would be jumping and darting all over the place as they Whoa. would come towards you. So uh, it, the Indianapolis 500 was the first race that I actually did the fuel on pit stops for this team. And uh, uh, I was so nervous uh, that I, I fogged up the inside of my helmet as the car was coming down the uh, oh, no. the pit lane. So I, I had to flip it up a little bit and, uh, and be able to see to, to plug in the, the fuel line in the uh, side of the car. Well, and the last thing you want if there's a fuel spill or an explosion is to have your visor up. Yes. Uh, yeah. Yes. Wow. Holy cow. You know, I'd forgotten about that, that those speed limits were reduced. We, we just take it for granted that when cars come into the pits, they need to slow down. You've got all those bodies out there and people and cars pulling in and out and guys coming off turn four at 200. Holy, no wonder your visor was fogged up. Yeah, yes, exactly. And, and obviously for good reason, because the, uh, it could be dangerous in the pit lane yeah. uh, as the cars got faster and faster. So it's, it's, uh, it was a fun time. Absolutely. Well, let me give you a proper introduction. We'll dive into your life here. Steve Sudler is the Director of Marketing and Motorsports for Foreign Cars Italia, the official Ferrari dealer for the Carolinas. There, he oversees advertising, client experiences, brand events, partnerships, and their championship-winning Ferrari Challenge racing team with Riley Motorsports. Steve is from Indianapolis, Indiana, so we know, where his passion for racing and automobiles began. He has over 25 years of experience in the automotive and racing business and has been involved with suppliers, manufacturers, teams, and sponsors for over well, for many, many years. Steve has also worked with organizations in series, including IndyCar, as he said, NASCAR, IMSA, and Formula One. 
We'll be back in just a minute to talk more with Steve about his life. But first, a word from our sponsors. So keep the seatbelts on. We're in pit lane. We're going to have some fun. Here we go. The best way to protect and preserve your vehicles, along with the meanings, memories, and experiences they give you, is with a quality-made, custom-fit car cover from my friends at Covercraft. At Covercraft.com, you'll find a multitude of options, including form-fit, fleece satin, and their unique view shield. Yeah, you can see right through the cover. Need a cover that will protect your rides outside? Quality options include Weather Shield, Weather Shield HD, Weather Shield HP, Sunbrella, Reflect, Carhartt Evolution, and of course, NOAA. Covercraft protects cars, trucks, motorcycles, RVs, and watercraft too. Custom-made covers for any vehicle. You can get them from Covercraft. Shield your vehicles from the rain, the snow, the sun's damaging rays with soft, safe breathability dust protective and ding protection and protection from those paint destroying bird droppings live in a windy area covercraft gust guards are a must-have option worried about theft you can get cable locks with their built-in grommets that keep your cover on your vehicle their website makes ordering fast and easy and i'll tell you their talented customer service department they'll walk you through any of your questions you want a deal use the code yeah 21 at covercraft.com and you'll get 10% off your covercraft order thanks to me that's right 10% off simply use the code yeah 21 at checkout i've been protecting my vehicles with their covers since 1975 covercraft protecting the things that move you American Collectors Insurance, that's who now protects my Porsche Turbo. Yeah, the one I call my orange crush. When it came time to renew my policy, my carrier jacked my rates up, even though I'd been with them for years. I'd never made a claim. No tickets, nothing. What's with that? Adios. So I started shopping around and kept hearing about American Collectors Insurance from fellow automotive enthusiasts, friends, and folks in the car industry. I did some investigating and learned that American Collectors Insurance have been protecting collector vehicles since 1976. I'm not a price shopper when it comes to insurance. I want to be able to sleep at night. I also want agreed value protection for my special ride. With an agreed valued policy from American Collectors Insurance, I'll be paid what my vehicle's full agreed value is. A number I set with the insurer at the start of the policy so I know there will be no surprises about what my car's value is, should something terrible happen. I shopped around and decided to protect my car with American Collectors Insurance. Give them a call for a quote today at 866-ACI-YEAH, that's 866 224 9324 and protect the ones you love. Make sure you tell them Mark sent you. You'll be glad you did. American Collectors Insurance, classic car insurance designed by collectors for collectors. All right, Steve, we're back. And as we continue on this journey of your life, which you've had some amazing fun, I would love for you to start with a success quote, a mantra, some kind of saying that has meaning for you. It's a nice way to get the wheel spinning a little bit here on Cars Yeah, so grab the wheel. Sure, thanks. And, you know, uh, working with Ferrari, we, we get to hear a lot of different quotes from uh, uh, from Signore uh, himself, uh, wow. Enzo Ferrari. And, yeah. and one of the ones that always stuck with me is that uh, the client is not always right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and so here at Ferrari, we hear that a lot. But internally, we've heard that that quote actually has another part to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it goes something like this. The client is not always right, and we reserve the right to choose our client. <laughs> so that is uh, that's sort of the internal one. And I use that a lot just because, you know, sometimes 
your product is not quite right with that that customer mm. and it's okay to let that customer know that hey you know what maybe this your experience is not going to be the best by doing this and 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 maybe you sh- you should not purchase this or purchase that because uh, uh it wouldn't be a good experience and and um you know that kind of struck me and and sticks with me in the business it doesn't matter what product you have sometimes it's okay to let a client know that maybe this just isn't for you you know, this is such an important thing. I learned this lesson when I was young, and my listeners have heard this story before of a client that was a real challenge for me when I was in the ad industry. And I just oh, I had so many challenges with them. They just drove me crazy. And my business partner at the time, one day I came back and I said, I can't do this anymore. And he said, I don't know how you lasted as long as you did. Fire them. <laughs> yeah, right. And the point was, I went, what? And he goes, get rid of them. Life's too yeah. short. We don't need them. And I'm like, Whoa, I never thought of that option. I was a young man. I was in my mid-20s. I never thought, you mean you could say no to a client and think this isn't a good fit? But you're absolutely right. And I think it's an important lesson for everybody to learn. If you're not happy in a situation, get out of it, right? Yeah. And, you know, we're in the business of providing uh, experiences. It's not just about buying a car. It's a, it's about uh, an experience. And, and sometimes we know that that person is not going to enjoy the experience. So rather than um, ha- have them leave with a, a bad taste in their mouth, we, we just would rather, um, uh, you know, not have the experience at all. Yeah, I'm trying to imagine somebody comes in and they think they're going to buy their dream car because nobody needs a Ferrari, but... That's what they they (laughs) want, right? I mean, it's a dream. You're fulfilling dreams there. Yeah. And then to hear, you know what? This isn't probably the right car for you. I've got to think that the reactions when you said that have to be quite varying from people that get insulted to people that go, wow, I can't believe you're so honest. Yeah. I think there are some people that um, you can tell that, that sometimes they're a bit relieved, um, <laughs> you know, or, or because they, they, they've, uh, they've gotten themselves into something that maybe they're second guessing what they've done. And, and uh, so this gives them an opportunity to, uh, uh, to maybe change their minds. Wow. Well, there, there we go, listeners, a golden nugget right at the beginning for you business people. Uh, it's okay to reserve the right to choose your client. Uh, you don't have to accept everybody who's coming into your life. It will make a huge difference in your life, let me tell you. Hey, let's talk about Foreign Cars Italia. I'd love for you to share more about what you guys do there, how you fulfill these dreams, and when did you realize that working there with all the different things you've done in the car industry was the right thing for you? Yeah, you know, it, it's uh, it's exactly that. We we say all the time that it's it's not about buying a car; it's about buying an experience. Um, you know, Ferrari is about a lifestyle, and they're the first ones that will tell you that we don't sell cars; we're in the luxury lifestyle business. Mm. And um, and I think if as a publicly traded company now, you can see that reflected in their valuation. It's much much higher than most car companies out there because they're not really a car company. So our job is really to have our clients. You know, feel feel good about being part of of the Ferrari family. Um, you know, another quote uh, that, um, that that Enzo has said is, you know, to, to to own a Ferrari is a privilege, but to drive a Ferrari is an honor. Mm. And so there, there's a big part of of what goes on. The racing is a big part of the DNA, uh, and hence we've we have a Ferrari Challenge racing team for our clients, uh, and our clients can participate. Uh, and so it's it's uh, it's all about the lifestyle. It's all about um, um, being part of automotive. And really, if you think about it, that's what automotive should be. It's about passion and it's about um, uh, your love for for a machine that you can control. 
Tell our listeners today here a little bit about that. Those folks that may not know the whole story about Ferrari Challenge Racing, you guys have teamed up with Riley Motorsports, but what is Ferrari Challenge? What is it all about? I mean, it's a lot of people have heard of it, but they don't quite know what is it. Yeah, no, Ferrari Challenge is a racing series that uses the four, the Ferrari 488 Challenge Evo car, um, and it's a dealer and client-driven racing series. So we compete uh, under sanction with IMSA, uh, and we go to some of the f- most famous racetracks uh, around the world and uh, uh, in the United States, everything from Indianapolis to Laguna Seca to uh, Daytona, and it's an opportunity for our clients to be part of what Ferrari really is. I mean, you know, they, they can go out. Ferrari doesn't treat their racing drivers any differently uh, across the board. When we uh, go to Montreal, for an example, we're, we're the support race for uh, the Formula One. The Formula One drivers come to the Ferrari Challenge drivers meetings because in Ferrari's eyes, all Ferrari race drivers are the same. Um, just just competing in different series. And uh, so, therefore, you know, Ferrari Challenge is a, is a great place for drivers to uh, and Ferrari uh, owners to, uh, to, to take race cars and, and go out and have fun and, and uh, enjoy their time and enjoy the lifestyle. So Foreign Cars Italia, what has you excited and fired up this new year about the cars that you're selling there and what you're doing? You know, Foreign Cars Italia is actually the third oldest Ferrari dealership in the country. It was started here in 1975 in Little Old, yeah, in in Greensboro, North Carolina. And um, so it's been around for a very long time. We have a great following. We we cover all of the Carolinas with new Ferraris and and nationally with pre-owned. And we've got some exciting new products that are coming out with Ferrari. Uh, How can you not be excited uh, (laughs) to come to work every day when you have, have Ferraris uh, and Ferrari Challenge racing teams and things like that. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to a a, a 2021 Ferrari Challenge racing season coming up. Our, our home race here at, at, Virginia International Raceway, uh, just up the road from us here on, on the last weekend of March. So we're, we're excited about what's, uh, what's going on in uh, new products and delivering cars. And, and uh, uh, you know, like you said before, realize, making people realize their automotive dreams. Now, you said that agency started in 75? Yes. Yeah. So yeah. you think back to 75, the, the cars that were around, the 308 GTB, yeah. uh, kind of you think of uh, the Magnum car a bit, the Dino 208 GT4, that was an interesting vehicle. Absolutely. Back yep. in the day. In 75, I was in high school. I was detailing cars to make money to buy surfboards and <laughs> go surfing. And uh, I had several clients who had Ferraris. One was a 246 Dino that oh, he would wow. let me... I would ride my bike to his house. He'd let me drive it home, and I thought I had died and gone to heaven. Another client had, had a, uh, a 365 GT4 double oh, yeah. B rolling down a box. Yeah, that I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I get to I get to drive. Yeah, that's this amazing. Thing. Yeah, that's amazing. Really fun. But you think how far Ferrari is coming? Ferraris nowadays. I mean, they're so reliable. I know people I've had on my show and friends of yep. mine up here in the Northwest that they drive them every day. It's not like yeah. the Ferraris of old that were really kind of garage queens a little bit and you didn't really want to drive them because they might leave you short. I mean, Ferraris are, dare I say, as robust as a Toyota or any other yeah. car. <laughs> yeah, they're still a little bit more expensive to maintain. A little bit? When, when you yeah. have to. You but, <laughs> but, you know, it, and, it, and a testament to that is, you know, Ferrari now offers seven-year free maintenance on, on their cars now. I didn't know that. And somebody told me that the other day and I'm thinking, 
wait a minute. I mean, when I bought my BMWs, you get four years free maintenance and nobody else yeah. was doing anything like that. And you're thinking even Mercedes doesn't offer that. And to hear that Ferrari, now you can buy a Ferrari and drive it to work every day. Not worry. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. No. And, and they have so many different products now for so many different types of, of driver. Whether it's uh, you know the Luso or, or or sports cars or GT cars and you know there's so many different variants of cars out there for them now. Now I've got to ask you this: What's the future of Ferrari and EVs? Yeah, so the the word that we're getting um, out of Ferrari in Italy is is that uh, there are no EVs on the horizon, and it looks like it's it's hybrid, and you know they have the most powerful uh, hybrid that's out there right now with the SF90 Stradale. And the SF90 Spider. So uh, we just delivered our very first uh, SF90 Stradale, and I have to say, it is an incredible piece of technology. <laughs> yeah. uh, with that hybrid system, it looks like it's straight off of the Formula One car. It's amazing. Well, so many of those cars, all the technology came from, or big parts came from racing, and that was, of course, the the roots of Ferrari with Enzo. And I mean, that's why they said he sold street cars so he could fund his his racing team. But I'm kind of surprised that. There's not even some hints of full EV because, of course, the week we're recording this show, GM's saying, you know, uh, the next 10 years or so, 12 years, we're all electric. And all these, you know, Ford, I mean, all these companies, that's where they're going. So you kind of scratch your head and go, well, I wonder if they're holding some cards back or why not think they got to be thinking about it more and more. I would think that as a car company, they would have to think about it. Um, but then on the other hand, they're a luxury lifestyle company, aren't they? So, yes. you know, there, there's the traditional Ferrari sound and, and, um, <laughs> yeah. that's a big part of what's in the product itself. Uh, it's amazing to me when we get people that will drive a Ferrari and depending on a different model other than the sports car, they'll say, ah, oh, it just doesn't sound like a Ferrari mm -hmm. or that does sound like a Ferrari. So, you know, sound is a big part of, of what, um, yeah. what's involved with, with the brand. So, uh, I think, that's an issue that that uh, that they would have to to work on uh, going forward and figure out how to to kind of keep that element uh, with a full EV. But you know they they do have um, incredible hybrid technology that I think um, could be converted over. But um, who knows who knows what will happen in the future? Yeah, who knows? <laughs> That's for sure. There's some words. When it comes to the lifestyle of Ferrari, you said it well. And I remember years ago, I imported a lot of Ferrari branded products and sold them in yeah. the catalog. And it didn't matter what you put the name on, it would sell. Somebody would buy it. And back, back then when I visited Ferrari, they would say to us, well, you know, our logo is the most recognized logo in the world. I wonder, I don't know the answer to the question. Maybe you do. Is that still the case? It seems like everybody knows that that symbol, the Cavallino and the Ferrari name, the Ferrari logo. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, just a, a two years ago, I believe, two years, and they, they, uh, there was a, a publication that sort of ranks the value of brands uh, globally. And Ferrari, for two years in a row, was, was ranked as the world's most powerful brand. So yeah. it is, um, in many instances, it, it is one of the most recognizable brands in the world. So they're very, very, uh, you know, they're very particular about where that logo goes. Oh, yeah. And even, even from a dealership perspective, you know, we're, we are not allowed to do a lot of things with that brand. Um, and they're very, and, and our clients are not, I mean, a lot of our clients don't even realize that once you buy that car, you own the car, but you don't own the rights to that brand. Oh, so putting, so putting a product next to the Cavallino on your own car, uh, and taking pictures that that's, um, you know, that could be a no, no. 
Yeah. Uh, yeah. I learned those lessons long, long, long time <laughs> yeah. ago. You have to be very, very careful of that. But they protect that, and that's understandable. But it's pretty amazing to me, considering some of the other brands out there, let's take Apple or Google, that sure. have massive valuations, or even Tesla, but nothing holds the mystique and that lifestyle of Ferrari. It's just- Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's huge. And I think it goes back to this man himself. And and it's been, you know, Enzo has been gone long enough now that that mystique is sort of built yep. upon itself in a way. And the stories, you can't go back and confirm the stories because so many of the people that were there back then have, have sort of retired and are no longer with the company. So the mystique and the stories and the legend has sort of gone on to grow. And, and you know, in my opinion, the, the, the true sense of a brand is about the stories that it can tell and, and how it can make you feel. And um, uh, Ferrari is as good at both. Well, isn't that the case? You think about someone like Elvis Presley. I've heard he's made a lot more money since he's passed than he did when he was alive because <laughs> of that brand and the longer he's Absolutely. gone. I mean, think about, um, oh gosh, who's the uh, Vincent Van Gogh who never sold a painting? And, you know, look at him now. Everybody knows right. who Vincent Van Gogh is. So yeah, as time goes by, those mystiques and that history, they really, really, really grow. It's amazing. It does. I always ask my guests about a big challenge in their life, and it's more about the yeah. lesson learned. So take us on a little journey here of a time in your life when you faced a great challenge or even a great failure. Yeah, sure. You know, um, as you mentioned, I've, I've spent some time in, in racing and uh, I was at Walker Racing, Derek Walker, a great friend of mine and, and uh, legend in motorsport. I worked for his team uh, on the in the business uh, office and, and we did the uh, sponsorships and the marketing and the business side of, of the team. And, you know, Derek Walker and Walker Racing was one of first teams back in the late 90s and, and early 2000s to do both the IndyCar and IRL series. So the Indy 500 and, and the other series, CART. So, you know, it was our charge to go out and find the sponsorship to, uh, to, to continue the racing program. And, you know, imagine that. Imagine having to go out in the sports world and find sponsors. And, you know, imagine the NFL when you had the NFL and the XFL. I mean, you got to ex- go out there and explain to that sponsor mm-hmm. not only that they need to be in racing, but there are two different series and in this series. And, you know, there's the, the other series that has Indianapolis. Yeah. So it, it was really challenging. We had to sort of adapt to how do we go in the marketplace with two with a, you know, competing series. And it, it really was sort of dictated to us by the market at the time. There's that it is what it is. We have to go out and we have to survive as a racing team and let's go out. So, you know, we were able to put together what I called uh, micro targeted programs. So we had Torrance Akagi on uh, the cart car and that was an Asian focused um, Mm -hmm. program. And we had Asian sponsors there. And uh, then we had Sarah Fisher on the IRL side. And that was a female, that was a female program. And we had sponsors that were geared towards female. And, you know, we ended up uh, eventually picking up um, uh, a driver from Mexico and some, some Hispanic programs. So, you know, we had to adapt. And uh, I think that's very true today. I mean, if you think about what happened with, uh, with 2020 and everything that was thrown at businesses, you just had to learn to adapt. We had to learn how to sell Ferraris in a pandemic. Yes. Um, <laughs> yeah. So you, you have to you have to change and adapt. And I think that was something that taught me um, in my career that it's always changing, and you just take um, you take those changes and you go out and uh, do the best you can with it, and and um, continue to, to to run your business. Isn't it a bit ironic? 
that we have to learn to change and adapt because of a virus that learns to change and adapt. Yeah. Uh, kind of a weird, weird world that we're still living in here. Let's take a short break and thank our sponsors. We come back. I want to dive into this personal passion you have for cars and racing. So keep the harness on. We'll be right back. Did you know that less than 3% of all automotive technicians in the United States are women? You may not be surprised, but you should be concerned because our country is facing a massive technician shortage right now. Skilled, qualified techs are in high demand, and we need young women and men to consider these careers as a viable path to a fulfilling life. I've interviewed hundreds of women in the automotive sector here on Cars Yeah, and I know that women make great techs. That's why I support the nonprofit TechForce Foundation and its Women Techs Rock initiative to ensure women see themselves in the profession, the industry, and the workforce. Learn more at techforce.org today. All right, we're back. Now, tell me a story, Steve, that was that pivotal moment in your life when you knew that you were going to be a bit of a car guy, a racing guy. What was that? What caused that to happen? Yeah, sure. You know, uh, as you mentioned, I grew up in Indianapolis, so obviously there's this uh, this event that this, goes this on there track in Indianapolis. There. Yeah, I heard about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. right. And, you know, my dad was never a big racing fan, uh, so to speak. He liked it, um, but it was was not something that was um, prevalent in everyday life. But when, when the 500 was there and these were back in the days of uh, practice that would go on all month long, um, my dad would pick me up from school and we would go um, catch the last three hours of practice or so at the Speedway. And, um, you know, it's so vivid in my mind in 1979. That was the year that the Pennzoil Chaparral, Jim Hall's team and, and Johnny. Oh, well, actually, yeah. it was uh, Alan Sr. Senior in 79 that drove that car. But, you know, that car was so different and so beautiful at the time. And, and uh, it just struck me as this is the time when cars can be performance oriented and be fast but then also be beautiful. Yeah. And that's where that realization kind of came about. Um, not just in racing, but it, it sort of made me appreciate the technical side of racing. And I love the technology that's involved. I couldn't change uh, a tire or something like that or, or be a mechanic on those cars, uh, but I'm fascinated by it. I couldn't engineer one, but I fa I'm fascinated by the technology. And, and that technology that then gets translated into the, our street cars and our everyday cars uh, is fascinating as well. So um, it, it you know has led me to the Ferrari brand, which is basically a race car for the street or you know a, a piece of art. Um, we say you know it, it's a piece of jewelry with four tires. Yeah. So it it's sort of come full circle from 1979 that uh, being there at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to seeing that, and then you know today me being uh, uh, working with Ferraris. Magic times. Is there a real special vehicle in your life that you've owned that stands out? And could you share a story about that ride? Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. My my dad, he uh, he had a 1976 Mercedes-Benz 450 SEL. And oh. that that would have yeah, yeah, so that would have been the, a car that uh, you know, I drove uh when I was uh, 16, 17 years old. Wow. And, and, yeah, so I I would drive that and and he would allow me to to take his his baby out there, but it was one of those things where you know, you you it was the first time that you you realized that an automobile can make you feel something. 
And by owning a certain automobile and my dad owning a Mercedes meant something to him. It had meant that he was able to uh, to achieve something that he had set forth in his life. So that was really a, a vehicle that was the first time that uh, you, you feel as though a car can make you appreciate things and, and aspire to certain things. And, uh, you know, that holds true with working with Ferrari today. Those cars were built like tanks and, <laughs> you know, they were handmade. I believe they were still handmade. Yeah. quote unquote, back in the day. And I mentioned that detailing business I had back in high school. And I had some clients with different varieties of Mercedes Benz. And I remember driving those cars back home, I'd go over and pick them up and bring them to my house. And you just felt so solid inside those things. I'll tell you, they weren't much fun to wax. And that's because they were big. And they also yeah. had all these nooks and crannies everywhere. All that they did. extra trim they put on that had, I did everything by hand back then. I didn't know how to use machines and stuff. And yeah. working around that and those giant grills. And the giant grills, a lot of chrome on that car. Oh, that's, gosh. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah a lot of chrome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Absolutely. Well, here's a bit of in- introspective question for you, Steve. If you woke up tomorrow and you were a vehicle... Not yeah. what you want to be, but you were manifest as vehicle based on your person, your personality and who you are. What would you be? But more importantly, why? You know, I, I, I thought about this and I'm thinking, I, I think I would come back as a 1987 Buick GNX. Oh my gosh. Okay. Yeah. You're the first one of those. <laughs> <laughs> and I got to ask why. Uh, so I, I think I would come back, you know, they, they were, they were very subdued. They were meant to. They were designed to be the fastest production car, uh, or the fastest sedan, I guess, at the time, um, and and uh, the the fastest that GM had done. So y- you look at this thing, and it's unassuming. You wouldn't assume that something like that would 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 have that kind of power. And mm-hmm. and uh, so I, I think that about myself. I think you know uh, I'm, I'm I like to. Uh, uh, I like to do a lot of listening to people speak and, and talk. So I'm kind of unassuming that way. I just kind of let list people talk and then I'll, I'll sort of uh, respond back. And, and uh, I like to think that, that I would respond back with something that's, uh, that's sort of uh, powerful like a, a Buick GNX was. You know, nice answer to that question. You think of the GNX uh, basically named after the Grand Nationals and yeah. Winston Cup Racing, Daryl Waltrip racing the factory-backed Buick Regals, I believe it was, back in the time. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And then you take that car, which was kind of a stealthy deal. You know, I mean, it was people knew what it was, kind of went, ooh, cool. Another one else, it just kind of went by like, mm, I don't know what that is, you know, two-door, whatever. Yeah. But, you know, it, it, it had that Buick V6 in there that went on, yeah. you know, to be a, a, a powerful engine in, in indeed. Um, with that as well, That's I mean, right. it was, yeah. it was, uh, you know, that, that when I was in 1990, when I was, was, uh, at, at the Indianapolis 500 on that pit crew, we actually had a Buick V6 turbo engine in that car and it produced 900 horsepower at the time. <laughs> it was, it was massive, massive power. Yeah. I think it was what a 3.8 liter turbo, uh, SFI V6. Yeah. 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 Interesting answer to that question, but I like it. That makes sense. Okay. I'm glad you gave that some thought. All right. You've been at racetracks. We're up to the what I call the last lap. Quick, sure. quick questions, quick answers. Uh, the checker flags out, so here we go. All right. What's one of your personal habits, Steve, that you believe has contributed to your many successes in life? You know, I always carry a notebook, mm. um, and I've gotten to the point where it, people know me now with my notebook. <laughs> I'll go to, I'll be walking through pit lane, or I'll be at the track, and I'll have my notebook with me. Yeah. And uh, I, I learned that from Derek Walker. Actually, he always had note cards. 
And, ah. uh, you know, I, I keep I keep notes of people that I've met, phone numbers, emails, things like that, that I have people that I've met along the way yeah. uh, and, and done business with. And it's always fun to go back. I keep them all. So I sometimes will go back through the archives and look at some of these notebooks I have and be like, oh, yeah, that's, I remember that guy or something like that. So I always have a notebook. Well, you're a smart guy like Albert Einstein because he always used to say, I always write everything down so I don't have to remember it. You know, <laughs> there you go. always as kids we thought he was the smartest guy in the world so there you go he probably yeah. was if i could arrange for you to have a drink or a meal with anyone in the automotive industry living or deceased who would it be uh you know that's for me it's colin chapman oh, and and go. i'm intrigued yeah i mean I, i'm intrigued by his technical ability number one um and and what he was able to achieve uh, in in racing and automotive but really i would love to know more about the lotus car and the the brand and and the the company itself because you have Enzo Ferrari who went on to do obviously incredible things with the Ferrari brand in, in automotive and you had Lotus but Lotus is not nearly what Ferrari is right. so it'd be interesting to kind of pick his brain a little bit and figure out uh, you know what what why they went two different directions my first vintage race car was a Lotus a Lotus uh, ah. Formula Junior 18 and uh, classic Colin Chapman idea of super light and yep. uh, also super not safe. <laughs> That's why I stopped racing. <laughs> right. it. Never felt good in that car. But uh, yeah, uh, definitely uh, engineering genius in that guy's head. Uh, now, I usually ask my guests to share the best automotive advice someone else has ever offered them. Yeah. I'm going to twist yours a little bit. Okay. When, when it comes to buying a Ferrari, what's the advice? best advice you can offer a prospective buyer? Okay. Uh, so I always go by the first offer is usually the best offer. So does that mean the, the buyer offering to buy a car when you're talking about a used Ferrari? Is that the, the thing? Yeah. Yeah. So okay. usually, and it goes both ways. So we always like to, to let a, a buyer know, Hey, if you're going to make an offer on this, make sure it's going to be your best offer. Yeah. Okay. okay. So when you're buying a car, make sure that your first offer is the best offer. And then secondly, when you're selling the car, usually that first offer that comes in is usually the best offer. You can always wait for a better offer. Yeah. But but uh, you know you you've got some costs in carrying that vehicle you, and and things like that. So maintenance costs and everything while you still have it. So we always say at the end of the day you may wait for a little bit more money, but at the end of it, it, it'll be the same as the first offer. Something I was taught a long time ago by a very successful guy, when you make an offer, make your best offer. And then uh, if they don't take it and they come back, never offer that again. Always offer less. <laughs> yes, and, yes, exactly. And once people know that about you, they will take your first offer. Yes, that's <laughs> exactly right. This, yeah, and I've always said that. This is the most I'll ever offer you right now. Tomorrow, I may not <laughs> offer you that much. That's uh, right. It really makes people think. Now, when it comes to resources, what's a great resource yeah. to go to for you? You know, I like the guys at Coterie Press. So that is a company that produces automotive books, mm -hmm. and some of the books that they've done uh, are incredible, and they've done them on brands such as Brabham and Lotus and Ferrari and McLaren. You know, I'm a big racing and history buff and automotive uh, in all of those, uh, so they have some really cool books that I've gone to, and I use them. They sit on my shelf, and I use them from, for reference to this day, uh, is to go back through those books from Coterie Press. How do they spell their first name? I think it's C-O-T-E-R-I-E. I-E. Okay, cool. I'll make sure yeah. I put a link to them. I need to reach out to them. Sounds yeah. awesome. I have a lot of authors of automotive books on the show here. Uh, speaking of books, is there a book that you'd like to share? Nice segue there, huh? <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, you know, um, again, going back to my my love of racing and, and passion for, for automotive and everything technical, um, The Beast by Jade Gers. 
uh, and I and I don't know if you've had Jade on your show yet or not, but he's uh, he's he's one of my favorite uh, authors and and has some incredible inside stories about the uh, pushrod motor that Penske had at the Indianapolis 500 in 1994, and uh, it's just really cool. I was there for that race. Uh, I was involved in the sport at that time, um, so it's really kind of cool to read. Um, the history and the inside story of that engine because I remember it being there and, and remember what happened. So it was, it's a really, really good book. Very cool. First time that book's been uh, suggested here, so I'm glad you brought that up. All right, we're up to the checkered flag here, and this last question can be sure. a bit of a doozy. You've listened to Cars, <laughs> yeah. You know what's coming here. I'm going to buy you yeah, a exactly. cool collector car today, anything you'd like, but there's rules. You can't sell it. You got to keep it. You got to drive it. And it's the only collector car you can have. So choose wisely. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I I would have to say it's got to be the Chaparral 2K IndyCar. Oh. Um, I, I mean, it's not a street car. I know I couldn't drive it all the time. Yeah. But there are so many vintage racing uh, organizations out there that I would definitely take it to the track uh, and race it. But it's just, the, you know, the Chaparral 2K uh, IndyCar. It's it's uh, sometimes at the museum at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, and uh, if you go in there, it's, every time I see it, I find something new that is beautiful about that car. So, or something that's technical about that that I hadn't noticed before. So, yeah. that would be the car for me. I, I literally could sit and look at that car all day long. <laughs> Such a cool looking car. Jim Hall racing, of course, uh, incredible yeah. genius when it comes to all sorts of cool cars. But that one, Cosworth, right? Yeah, it was Cosworth powered. It was designed by John Bernard, yeah. um, and and who was a, a great Formula One designer at the time, and went on to design um, uh, the Ferrari Formula One cars in the late eighties and early nineties. Oh, and right. and yeah. yeah, he he was the one that actually uh, invented and discovered um, the paddle shift mechanism for Formula One racing, which then went on to the Ferrari streetcar. So that is sort of where that started was with, uh, with John Bernard and, and his group at uh, Ferrari. And that's in my uh, SMG M3 too. So, uh, yep, it is. yeah, I love that. Uh, a lot of people are, eh, I don't like those things, but I, I love them. I, think I do too. I, think great. I can't, sh- I can't shift that fast on my own with a pedal and a stick. Nobody can. No, that's no. why race cars are gone that way. So, yeah, absolutely cool. Steve, you've taken me on an awesome ride today. I knew this would be fun. I want to shout out to our mutual friend, Brian Barr, for introducing me to Steve. Of course, uh, one of your uh, partners in crime there. Uh, I say yep. that with all kindness uh, at Foreign Cars Italia. Now, before I even let you go, could you offer us one yes. little parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off and down the track in that Chaparral 2K? Yeah, sure. Sure, no problem. You know, a big part of, of what we do here at, at, at Ferrari and, and Foreign Cars Italia is, you know, we, we think it's so important to keep the passion um, for cars alive. And, and in today's day and age with uh, EVs and self-driving and all these driver aids that are on cars, you know, you get a sense sometimes that um, – uh, a car could eventually just become a toaster, meaning yeah. it's just an, another appliance. And, you know, we work really hard in what we do with, with events and, and racing to keep that passion alive. I mean, it's, it's so unique that a human can get into this machine and make it do what you want it to do, whether you're driving to the store or you're driving on a racetrack. Yeah. Um, there are very few things in life that you, you have that opportunity. And, um, you know, that's one of my thing is, is, to really go out and empower people to to go to vintage events and go to concours and go to museums and, and go to these places 
to kind of keep the heritage of automotive alive and, and the passion and, and, and bring that to young people. You know, we, we keep our showroom here open. I mean, it's a little bit closed with COVID these days, but, you know, on, on most times we have kids that come through here and look and, and, um, and want to aspire to these cars. And we try to go out and educate them and let them know what it is. So, um, cool. you know, just like people did with us as we were younger. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, keep that fire burning and instill a flame in a young person's mind. So what's the best way for people to learn more about Foreign Cars Italia, Ferrari, and you? Yeah, sure. You can always go to uh, foreigncarsitalia.com um, and you can learn more about uh, what we what we have in, in Ferraris. And uh, we have social media as well on uh, Instagram and uh, Foreign Cars Italia Ferrari on Instagram and Facebook and all that good stuff. And I'm uh, on Instagram as well as the Ferrari marketing guy. The Ferrari marketing guy. I love it. Well, I'll put all these links on Steve's show notes page so you listeners can find him. Uh, if you're in his part of the world, you definitely got to stop in and check out the cars they have. Say hello, Clemens, North Carolina. Beautiful part of the country for sure. Steve, thank you for taking some time with me today and sharing more about what you do. This has been a delight. Again, thank you to uh, Brian for connecting us. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you hopefully in a Ferrari down the road. Awesome. Thanks, Mark. You're welcome. Did you know that Cars Yeah! is in the top 1% of all podcasts based on listenership, according to Libsyn, the premier RSS feed for podcasts in the United States? That's right. And Cars Yeah! is the only five-day-a-week automotive-focused podcast for you to get your message into the ears of thousands of listeners daily from all over the world. Plus, DuPont Registry recommended Cars Yeah! is one of their top 10 car podcasts for you to enjoy. Cars Yeah! has experienced tremendous growth, plus your ads are evergreen, meaning they never go away. And more and more listeners find Cars Yeah! every day for their daily dose of automotive inspiration. Do you want to expose your brand to a highly targeted list of automotive enthusiasts in a very unique in very personal way, well, I can help you. Contact me, Mark Green, at mark at carsyad.com or through the website at carsyad.com today to learn more. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to carsyad.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!